Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Any health-related information on the following show provides general information only. Content presented on any show by any host or guest should not be substituted for a doctor's advice. Always consult your physician before beginning any new diet, exercise, or treatment program. Hi, I'm Pat Rulo, author, speaker, and radio host of Speak Up Talk Radio. I'm local and vocal when it comes to healthcare safety. If you need a life-changing topic and speaker for your next event, call me, 440-725-5462, or visit speakupandstayalive.com. Patient safety is your right, so don't go wrong. Let me share what I know with your group, 440-725-5462, or visit speakupandstayalive.com. Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo, serving you a generous helping of everything you need to know to help you and your loved ones stay safe during any doctor or hospital visit. The program is not intended to replace medical advice from a licensed professional, but rather to encourage you to become a well-informed participant in your health and well-being. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety, where each week we delve into little-known healthcare and hospital hazards, as well as other fringe topics that affect your health and well-being. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So, let's dig right in, shall we? You may remember a few weeks ago, I talked about a nurse in New Jersey who infected close to 70 people when she administered the flu shot to them at their place of work. She did this by not changing to a new syringe for each patient, which put all of those people at risk for contracting HIV and hepatitis simply by not following protocol, to which I suggested that you avoid some of those temporary pop-up flu shot stations such as those found in airports and drive-through locations and such just to be extra careful but you wouldn't expect to find this kind of a problem in the operating room of a hospital during surgery with a highly trained surgeon would you should you well today we have someone to provide a behind-the-scenes view of a previously undisclosed health threat he is dr. Mark Davis He is a surgeon with 40 years of experience in the OR, the operating room, who has also been an operating room safety consultant for the past 20 years. He is the author of over 40 medical articles and two books. He has worked with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, the CDC and OSHA, to develop patient and healthcare worker infection prevention guidelines. 
He specializes in preventing the spread of HIV, hepatitis C and hepatitis B, resulting from contaminated medical equipment and from needle sticks and other sharp object injuries during surgical procedures. Mark is the author of the new book, Irresponsible, What Surgeons Won't Tell You and How to Protect Yourself. The book focuses on a hidden risk of surgery, exposure of patients, and healthcare providers to HIV and hepatitis during surgery. Sooner or later, and I say this all the time, everyone or a family member will face a hospital visit or surgery or an invasive medical procedure. Today, we are going to discuss how patients can inform and empower themselves and identify a surgeon and a facility who use safe practices to reduce the risk of infection. So let's get started. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mark Davis. Hi, Pat. You know, the work that you do is inspirational, and I'm honored to have this opportunity to speak with you today. Oh, I appreciate that. It's very kind of you to say, especially coming from you. Well, now I want to begin with a short quote from your book. Uh, you say that danger lurks in every corner of our healthcare system. Almost half of hospitals and more than one third of surgery centers don't consistently follow the most basic safety policies and procedures like hand washing and keeping equipment supplies sterile. And I stress those very same concerns quite often on this program. Yet I don't think that most people realize that they need to know about the risk of acquiring HIV, hepatitis, and other serious infections during their surgical procedures. So why should we be thinking about that? Well, I'm using my book to bring this to the public's attention because surgeons and facilities do not reveal this risk of infection to their patients. And there are things the public can and must do to help prevent this from happening. And it's not just people who currently are patients that need to know this. Everyone needs to know because, as you mentioned, sooner or later, everyone will have to face surgery, their own or family members. In fact, according to a recent study by the American College of Surgeons, the average American will have over nine surgical procedures in a lifetime. So it's not a question of if, but when. Um, there are basically two ways that patients can be infected with HIV, hepatitis C, and B during surgery. Uh, the first way is an exposure to blood. Uh, the way this would happen is when a surgeon or other member of the OR team who happens to be infected with HIV or hepatitis uh, sustains a needle stick or a cut from a scalpel or other sharp instrument, and the bleeding hand of that care provider recontacts the internal tissues of the patient. The second way patients can be exposed, and this has gotten a fair amount of press recently, is when reusable medical equipment, including colonoscopes, upper GI scopes, and the alphabet, dialysis machines are not cleaned properly. What people can do to help prevent acquiring these potentially deadly infections is to ask questions, as you say so well in your book. And that's how patients can find out whether any given surgeon or facility is committed to following safe practices. Also, um, by asking the right questions, patients can take, take charge of their health care by coming in, becoming involved in the decision-making process. Decisions like whether they really need to have certain tests to determine whether surgery is indicated and whether the, de the decision to have surgery even makes sense. So here's the basic problem. In theory, the surgical team led by the surgeon has the responsibility to follow safe protocols and use the safest equipment available to keep the risk of infection as close to zero as possible. The reality is that's not what always happens. Um, and it goes without saying that reusable medical equipment should be properly cleaned and disinfected. And that's not what always happens. 
um, caregivers should wash their hands before touching patients. This, of course, does not always happen. As a matter of fact, it's proven impossible to get all doctors to wash their hands. So some years ago, the infection control community just gave up trying and said, okay, use a hand sanitizer. They found a workaround. So now when you enter a hospital, you see these dispensers all over the, wo- all over the walls, or at least I hope you do in your hospital. And that's great because these products actually work better than washing with soap and water. But still, they're not always used. So patients and their advocates, their other pair of eyes, need to be vigilant and speak up if doctors and nurses are non-compliant. And I'm going to give one little warning because I do talk about this quite often on the show. There are certain bacterium that aren't killed by those antibacterial washes, such as C. diff. Yeah, C. diff is a big problem in hospitals and there's really not a good solution for it at this point. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to back up for a moment. How did you become involved in this patient safety movement? There must be a reason why this is on your radar. It started with uh, concern for my own occupational safety at first. No one ever told me in medical school or in my surgery training that I could get HIV or hepatitis just from doing my job. And it all began with a scary event that alerted me to this risk and literally changed the course of my life. The year was 1987, and that was the decade where it became known that there was something called HIV and AIDS. Um, I was cut with a scalpel while operating on one of my patients. She was a, a woman whose baby I had delivered a year previously, so I knew her quite well. She was what we used to call an apparently, quote, low-risk, unquote, patient for having HIV. In other words, she was married, apparently healthy, and not a drug abuser, so I wasn't too worried. But because I knew for sure that my injury had caused our blood to intermix and I was aware of the existence of HIV at this point, I decided to test her anyway. And this was the first patient I had ever tested for HIV. So I went to the recovery room as she was coming out of anesthesia and I explained to her what had happened. I'd been cut with a scalpel and I'd like her permission to test her for HIV. Well, her answer made my head spin. Uh, Oh, yes, Dr. Davis, I've been meaning to ask you for the past year if I should get tested, but I was too embarrassed to bring it up in the office. I found out that my husband is gay, and I think he and his boyfriend are injecting drugs. So to make a long story short, it ended well. Um, She tested negative, but during the hours that I had to wait for that test result to come back, my life was flashing in front of me. There really was no guaranteed drug prophylaxis to prevent HIV if she was infected. So what, it, what happened was I had learned a powerful lesson. Now around that time, the CDC published a study in which they found that every day across the country there are 1,000 needle sticks, scalpel cuts, and other sharp device injuries inflicted on healthcare workers in operating rooms and other locations. This number shocked me and everyone else when I first read it, and I imagine it shocks our listeners too. And by the way, those statistics have not changed. But I knew instinctively that it had to be true because like most surgeons I've spoken to over the years, I had been a victim of many needle sticks over my career, mostly self-inflicted, but sometimes other surgeons or my assistants had stuck me and I had stuck some of them. So after my scary injury and potential exposure to HIV, the question in my mind became, how could I protect myself and my surgical teammates from sharp device injuries during every surgical procedure. Now, everyone is pretty careful with sharp instruments, you would assume that, but 1,000 injuries a day makes it obvious that just being careful does not get the job done. The answer is safe safe technology. 
and also the the uh, operating room is a dynamic and dangerous place. Um, the team is crowded together around the table, elbow to elbow. Speed is essential sometimes, and as a result, collisions and misdirected sharp instruments are a fact of life. And I don't mean to scare listeners, but it's important to understand the risk so patients can use this knowledge to empower and protect themselves. Since 2005, over the past 10 years, there have been reports of hundreds to thousands of patients exposed to hepatitis C during colonoscopy, dialysis, and major surgical procedures due to needle sticks to surgeons and improper cleaning and sterilization of equipment. Um, but listeners shouldn't freak out. Sharp object injuries are daily events. The transmission of HIV or hepatitis is not, but obviously it can happen. And no one really knows how often these things happen because there's no good system for tracking and reporting new cases of these infections. In addition, uh, this becomes hidden in cases where um, there are malpractice suits against surgeons and hospitals, which are settled out of court with confidentiality agreements. In those cases, uh, patients are prohibited from revealing how they became infected. So the message I want to share is that almost all sharp device injuries are preventable if and only if surgeons and other healthcare workers take appropriate precautions. Problem is, many of them don't. So, you know, we don't have people necessarily running with scissors. I'm, <laughs> sh I'm sure there's many types of procedures then that expose patients to these deadly infections. Maybe share a little bit of that with us. Well, that's an easy answer because it's basically almost every type of procedure from head to toe, from cardiac surgery to abdominal surgery to procedures like dialysis or colonoscopy, which are done millions of times annually. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking of the need to monitor and have proper sterile processing in place for, say, endoscopy and colonoscopy especially. But I also read especially with those types of scopes, just inherent in the construction of those pieces of equipment that it's very, they have those little elevator chambers that are almost yeah. impossible to keep clean that get filled with, and I'm going to use a very scientific word, gunk from the previous patient. So Exactly, yeah. And in fact, the FDA has, has um, issued a request to all, you know, manufacturers of these devices and the duodenoscopes mainly, uh, that they take a look at the uh, the design and, and see whether they can uh, improve on it. Mm -hmm. Wow. So yeah. That's not much we can do as a patient either then. Uh, um, not, not in that particular yeah, case, but, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> we still need to speak up. Absolutely. Definitely. That's, that's our mantra here. Help us with how to approach a surgeon with these concerns. What questions should we ask? Well, the name of the, uh, the checklist you're referring to is what to ask the surgeon the first time you meet. In other words, this is not after you've had your surgery scheduled. This is when you're picking and choosing your surgeon. Um, and my vision is that this checklist uh, is extremely important in that if enough patients speak up and ask these questions, it can and will change the way surgical care is delivered, preventing deadly infections, saving lives, and reducing costs. But here's a way to bring it up. You say to the doctor that you're, you know, you're in the office there, and uh, he said, you may need surgery, and you say, you know, Dr. Jones, I've been reading about patients, surgeons, and OR nurses who became infected with hepatitis C and HIV during surgery. I understand there are safety precautions that surgeons can use to lower this risk. Would you mind if I ask you a few questions? And the answers you'll get will give you an idea of the level of concern that the surgeon has for safety, his and yours. And this is a perfectly reasonable request. If the surgeon says something like, these things are not important, 
or I'm very careful and I've never had a problem, um, remember that you have the option of getting a second opinion. Right. I think that you should. Do surgeons routinely test patients pre-op for HIV and hepatitis C, and do they actually test themselves for these infections? Well, some surgeons do test patients preoperatively. Um, I think it's a waste of time and money. It makes no sense because if they're not going to, if it's not going to change what they're going to do in the OR, then what's the point? And testing does not make surgeons act more safely. Either you act safely every day on every patient, or you don't. Several decades ago, I remember an orthopedic surgeon I was talking to in the OR lounge waiting for our cases to start, and he, he announced that uh, very proudly that um, you know, he tested all his patients preoperatively for HIV. And I was in the process of writing my book at that time, my first book, and I said, well, why do you do that? He said, well, because then I'll know. I said, well, what are you going to do differently? And he didn't have an answer. And he went into the OR that about a half hour later, did his case. It was a hip uh, replacement on an AIDS patient. And he drilled through the bone and then through the palm of his hand. Mm. Um, so I rest my case. Yeah. Um, either you're safe or you're not. And it's a waste of money. You should treat everybody uh, with, with universal precautions. That's what the CDC recommends. Right. Treat everyone the same. Take precautions. Do the safe thing. We have those safe things that we can do. Yeah, if you're not going to change your procedure, what's the point of... Uh, exactly. What are you going to refuse to operate? Now, in the event of a blood exposure to a surgeon, in which there also would be potential exposure of the patient to the surgeon's blood, do you think the surgeon should also be tested for HIV and hepatitis and the results given back to the patient? Yes. I mean, this never comes up. Yeah. If you look at the pre-op consent form, if you go in for surgery, I don't care what it is, there's a line on there that you have to agree that if the surgeon or an assistant is exposed to your blood, the right. patient's blood, right. that they can come and test you for, for infection. There's nothing about, uh, you know, what you just mentioned, if the surgeon's injured and then bleeds into your wound. Wow. Uh, so, yes, um, yeah, they should, be, they should be tested in the event of that sort of an exposure. Absolutely. It's a, it's a two-way street. Well, should they be tested ahead of time? I mean, at that point, it's going to be too late. Shouldn't all surgeons be free from hepatitis B, C, and HIV? Well, you know, in, in the United Kingdom, uh, if you have hepatitis B, you can't practice surgery. Mm -hmm. You can be a family physician or dermatologist or whatever you like, but you can't operate with sharp instruments. That's not the case here. In, in hospitals in this country, uh, there's a safety committee. And they decide if there's an, a surgeon who has one of these infections, whether the surgeon can practice and whether the surgeon can perform certain high-risk procedures or portions of certain procedures. So um, it's kind of a, um, there's, there's no uniformity to it. Well, and there's no rule that says that uh, surgeons have to test themselves for these things. Yeah. Uh, I think most surgeons do periodically just because, you know, they're, they know they're getting stuck, and they don't want to give it to the family. So, yeah, I think probably, I don't have any statistics on this, but um, I've done it uh, over the years, and uh, thank God, you know, I never had anything show up, but there's no, there's no requirement. And if you were to ask a surgeon, have you been tested for HIV or hepatitis, uh, the answer would probably be, well, that's private information. I was just going to ask you that, you know, we're talking about a list of questions you should be asking. Well, I would think that'd be on the top of the list. 
Not a bad idea. Yeah. You can't, it doesn't hurt to ask. It kind of puts people on their toes. Oh, yeah. So like, oh, we got a real smarty here, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is really quite a conversation, and I'm really so happy to enlighten and be enlightened by you. So tell us where we can go to learn more about you and where folks can purchase your book. Well, the book, it's an ebook. It's on Amazon.com, and um, the name is, is Irresponsible, What Surgeons Won't Tell You and How to Protect Yourself. If you put in Irresponsible and Mark Davis on Amazon, it'll pop up. And it's a Kindle book on Amazon. If you don't have a Kindle, you can read it on your computer, your tablet, or smartphone. There's also a website for the book, and that's irresponsiblethebook.com. And uh, if anyone wants to ask me anything, um, my email address is msdavismd at aol.com. I'd be happy to hear from anyone. Excellent, excellent. I'm really going to encourage folks to get a copy of that and, and read it and uh, online. And before we leave, I know that there's obviously so many other things we could talk about, but any final words or advice or anything that we didn't touch upon that you'd like to just briefly um, end with? Well, the only thing I could say is to read Pat Rulo's book. Uh-huh. Take it with you to the hospital and leave it on the, the bedstand <laughs> so when they come in, they can see it and they know they're dealing with somebody who's informed and empowered. I think it's a wonderful tool. Oh, you're awesome. That was perfect. And I didn't pay him for that, folks. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to. (laughs) Mark, your book is really a must read for every member of every family. And once again, it is titled Irresponsible, What Surgeons Won't Tell You and How to Protect Yourself by Dr. Mark Davis. It's available at amazon.com as a Kindle book. His uh, website again is irresponsiblethebook.com. Mark, what a pleasure to be enlightened by you today. I so appreciate your being here. Pleasure's been mine, Pat. Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. Hi there. I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, the host of Mrs. Green's World, and I would really love for you to become a part of that world. We talk about things like the faceless villain of climate change, our compromised food supply, and about how to become a conscious consumer. But it's not all bad news. We educate, we inspire, we engage. We always leave you with some small steps you can take to make a difference for this great planet of ours and help you live the healthy life you deserve. Please visit MrsGreensWorld.com to learn more and become a part of our world. Recently, I was asked to narrate and produce the audiobook version of a book titled Death by 5G an advanced guide to population reduction techniques. So what is 5G? 5G, which stands for fifth generation, is an upcoming standard for mobile telecommunications service that promises to be significantly faster than today's 4G. Well, the author of this book has a lot more to say about it. Here's a bit from their page on Amazon. They say, This new technology will affect living human beings to the core of their health. This guide will tell you all the ways the government and powers that be 
We'll be using fifth-generation signals to blast through your home devices to levels you could never imagine. Dangers involving 5G technology are serious and varied. Learn how to protect yourself and the people you love. So to find out more and to get your Kindle version or the audiobook version, just visit Amazon.com and type in the title of the book, which is Death by 5G. The number 5, the letter G. And if you or someone you know would like to turn their book into an audiobook, I can do that for you. Just email me at pat at speakupandstayalive.com or call me 440-725-5462. I'm Jerry the Germ with a Speak Up and Stay Alive Healthcare and Hospital Safety Snippet just for you. <coughs> Here's our expert, Pat Rulo. <laughs> Hey, Jerry, did you know people are talking dirty and don't even know it? That's right. According to Dr. Chuck Gerba, a famous microbiologist whom I spent the entire day with at his lab in Tucson, Arizona, he found cell phones carry 10 times the bacteria of most toilet seats. Ugh. So what can you do about this? Sanitize your phone daily with my newest cross-contamination solution called Dirty Talk. Simply spray a bit of Dirty Talk cell phone disinfectant onto a soft cloth and gently wipe down your cell phone, iPad, computer mouse, and keyboard. Statistics show that cell phones harbor 25,000 germs per square inch. So stay safe from all of this dirty talk. Visit zappenzen.com. That's Z-A-P-N-Z-E-N.com. Zappenzen.com. And get your dirty talk cell phone disinfectant. It's made with only safe ingredients, such as organic tea tree, tangerine, and cinnamon essential oils. It smells yummy, and the bottle lasts a long time. That's zappenzen.com, or call to order 440-725-5462. That's 440-725-5462, or visit zappenzen.com. Well, there you have it. Lots to think about and plenty to share with others. And to do so, simply head over to the website, speakupandstayalive.com, where you can listen to today's show again and hear previous episodes all under the Radio Archives button. And while you're there, visit the shop page to get a copy of the life-saving book, Speak Up and Stay Alive, Your Hospital Survival Guide. And for more of my books, visit Amazon.com. Type my name in the search bar, Patricia Rulo, R-U-L-L-O, and you will find some other goodies. Now, if you're in the Cleveland, Ohio area, listen to the show every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock on WHKW AM 1220, as well as on WHKZ AM 1440. And tune in again every Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. Same show, but on WHK AM 1420. We're also on iTunes, iHeartRadio, SpeakUpTalkRadio.com, and about 50 additional online venues. So uh, no excuse to miss a single episode. And if you just need more of me, invite me to speak to your group, club, church, business, or hospital. 
My presentations are fun, fast-paced, informative, and life-saving. And I can guarantee this, no one falls asleep on my watch. Visit speakupandstayalive.com for more information. Email me at pat at speakupandstayalive.com or call me and leave a message on the radio studio line 440-725-5462. That is 440-725-5462. Well, that is it for today. Until next time, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice.